Hey, Stranger Rangers, this is Bree. This is Patina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. So we're back. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New Year. 2024. Uh, our resolution is to be better on social media. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Do you have a personal New Year's resolution? Uh, be better on social media. Yep. <laughs> I usually don't really do New Year's resolutions no. because um, although I am very goal focused and I love achieving things. Um, I don't like to set myself up for failure. Yeah. You know, but um, I do think that I'm going to make an attempt this year to try to journal more. Oh, wow. I have this really cool book that's like 40, I think it's called like 40 days of intentional living. And it's got all of these little prompts and they're very fulfilling and reflective. So my goal is to try to finish those 40 prompts within 2024. Cool. Which would only be one a week. Well, exactly. Kind I think of. that's and you, attainable. And you, have, and you have some room to wiggle because there's 52 weeks. So you have 12 weeks you can slack off. Exactly. And uh, and still make it. So yay, that's cool. Yeah. We know why you're here. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, quit babbling. We'll we'll get back to, uh, <laughs> the, to the business at hand. I business. really do want to know what happened to Brittany. So uh, where were we at, Jody? New detective on the case. New detective on the case. I'll give just the briefest of rundown for you guys. Um, Make sure you go and listen to part one before part two. It really helps the build up to everything that I'm going to tell you about next. Um, Brittany Marcel is a senior in high school. She is returning to her mom's house to visit her for lunch for them to talk about her moving back home. And she is unexpectedly met with an attacker who bashes her over the head with a shovel Mm. and miraculously Brittany survives the attack. Um, She is left with some permanent physical and mental ailments, but is exceeding everybody's expectations in her recovery. But where we're kind of at right now is four years post attack and we are no further in solving the case than we were the day that it happened. Mm -hmm. We do have working in the favor of the investigation, one single blood sample that was left behind, but so far no matches of 30 plus suspects has um, been a ringer on this DNA. So we have a new detective on the case who is resilient and such a go-getter. And we are going to get into part two and talk about Detective Gonterman's um, new approach to try to nail this guy. So we're in roughly 2012 And with no avenues of investigating paying off, Detective Gontraman proposes an idea to Brittany, and she is wondering if Brittany is willing to go under hypnosis. Oh, that's interesting. Some memories. Okay. Now, a very controversial method of gaining information 
you know, if it's going to hold up in court, um, if they even get anything reliable to go off of. But they're really at such a standstill right now that she's willing to try anything and everything. And Brittany is their best hope in trying to find who this is. So initially, Brittany was hesitant to the idea, um, and rightfully so. She really didn't want to relive that day, but she was resilient, and she agreed to go under hypnosis. And within this 36-minute session, it ended up giving them something to go off of. Brittany recalls walking into an empty home, and then she sees someone While she's under hypnosis, her body is like physically shaking as she relives this beating. And she's saying, he's hurting me. He's hurting me. I'm bleeding bad. I mean, oh my gosh, I just get goosebumps like even talking about that. And she describes her attacker and gives them a few different descriptions that are different than what her mom had initially told de- told detectives. She describes the, the guy as being tall, with spiky hair, muscular, light skin tone, which all lines up with Diane's description. Right. But then she says, maybe he's Hispanic. He has a square face, brown eyes, and a big nose. Now that square face, brown eyes, and a big nose are some descriptions that were different than her mom's. And then she says something interesting while under this hypnosis and says, did I, did I see him at my work? Maybe he bought glasses from me. And if you haven't listened to part one, this is because Brittany worked at a sunglass kiosk at the local mall when she was in high school. Okay. So this is like very, very interesting, you know, that she's bringing up this specific detail. And in this 36 minute trance that gave them more information than they, than they'd been able to dig up in almost six years of investigating. So we're a little bit further than 2012 at this point. We're more like 2014. And then when she came out of her trance, she asked the, um, I don't know, I guess you call him a psychologist maybe, or a psychiatrist that puts people under hypnosis, a hypnotist. And she looked, exactly. Um, Yeah. I think a magician would probably be more (laughs) spot on. But she looks at him and she says, who is he? And she was really, really hoping that she had said his name when she was under hypnosis. Damn. I know. Just kind of such a letdown. But they still have more information, like I said, than than they've had this whole time. So they would end up making up a new sketch from Brittany's description. And although similar features to what her mom had described, they had some new details to go off of. So they put out the new sketch, but this still didn't produce any new leads for them. And they're just like, fuck. No, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Like, come on, like throw me a bone here. Hmm. Something's got to give. Now, this has nothing to do with the hypnosis, but I do have to celebrate Brittany because at this point, six years after her attack, Brittany had been going to school the whole time and she graduated college with a degree. Wow. Holy shit. 
I know this girl is just like a hero. Wow. In her own way. I mean, to pursue your dream while living through all of this trauma is just such, um, I don't want to say, I mean, it is an achievement, but I want to come wow. up with a word that's more celebratory. That's just crazy. Than that. Like good for her, good for her brain. The fact that they took 25% of her brain and she's like, nah, I got that to spare. I'm exactly. gonna go to college. Yep. And watch I'm gonna get this. a degree. Mm-hmm. Damn. Hold my beer. Right. Hold my beer. Be right back. I'm gonna go get a bachelor's. Exactly. So they did the whole hypnotist route, but they're back to the drawing board. And Detective Gonterman knew that she had to get creative again. Now, by this time, there was a new way to come up with a physical description of somebody based off of a DNA sample, and this was called DNA phenotyping. This is not a cheap or a quick process. It costs about $3,600 and can take several months to build a full profile. I've seen worse and I've seen worse. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) $3,600 is a lot, but okay, yeah. Yeah, it could be worse. Totally. And this, this technology is truly amazing. I mean, they can build a full profile. They, they can tell if somebody has freckles, what color eyes they have, hair color, what their bone structure would be like. I mean, it's, it's borderline creepy, but like, unbelievably impressive. Wow. That we have the ability. It is, yeah, totally. I mean, that's probably what you would ha- kind of have to do to be able to, to do that. Call someone exactly. Wow, off a drop of blood. Off of a, a drop of blood. Yeah, it's it is incredible. Yeah. So they take the the blood sample that they have and they submit it for this DNA phenotyping. And while they waited on all of this in October of 2016, a name just. 16. randomly came to Brittany's mind. Okay. Justin Hansen. And this name was popping into her mind every day. Like she Justin Hansen, Justin Hansen, Justin Hansen. She's like, "Why is this name coming to my mind? I don't think I know of anyone named Justin Hansen." And so she asks her mom and her sisters if that rang a bell, and it did with the sisters and they're like, "Yeah, we know Justin Hansen." He was constantly seen at the Cottonwood Mall where Brittany had worked at the sunglass kiosk. And he, at the time, worked at Hollister. And one of those Hollister models. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so as they're talking through all of this, you know, Brittany's memories of this time are kind of starting to come back to her. And Brittany said that Justin would come down and chat and flirt with her at her sunglass kiosk and so Brittany instantly called detective Gonterman and told her what she was remembering this is by far the best lead that they've gotten so our go-getter detective is like hell yeah I'm gonna find this guy but there's one little problem Justin didn't really match the description, the physical description Mm. that Brittany had given police. He wasn't tall. He wasn't super muscular with brown eyes. He was a little bit shorter. He was a thinner stature and he had green eyes. Oh, that's a big difference. But 
very, very big difference. Yeah. A very rare difference too. Mm-hmm. Green eyes are not common. And by this point, Justin was a married father of four with no wow. criminal record other than at some point in his youth, he had gotten a DUI or something okay. like that, but no like outstanding criminal record or anything. Detective Gonterman wanted to wait until she had a little bit more information before she went and talked to him. And at this point, I mean, she's kind of like, oh, what's one more person? Because at this point, they had looked at over 75 men. Wow. (laughs) Over the past eight years. And so I think she's kind of feeling like at this point, I need a little bit more. Sure. Before going knocking on this guy's door and accusing him of something. Yeah. Yeah. Before I go approach man 76, I'm going to need a little bit more context for this. But on January 3rd, 2017, that DNA phenotyping profile finally came back. Okay. And what it told detectives is that the blood belonged to a male who was fair skinned, light brown to blonde hair, not a lot of freckles, and had green to hazel eyes. What? Super unique. And the sketch that came back from this full DNA profile was a dead ringer really? for Justin Hansen. Looked so, looks so much yeah. like him. That's crazy. So wild. And even with all of this, Detective Gonterman didn't want to get her hopes up, but she had to go talk to Justin Absolutely. at this point. Absolutely, sir. We need to yep. talk to you. So she approaches Justin at her, at his house and she brings another officer with her who wore a body cam. So there's oh. video footage of this whole first interaction. Um, it's kind of funny because they kind of catch him off guard in front of his house and oh, he's, still in his, he's still in his bathrobe. Oh, <laughs> so funny. he's like, uh, hi, let me go uh, put some pants on. But he's um, very calm and friendly and cooperative. He invites them into his home and they talk yeah. about Brittany and how the two of them could have had a relationship while they worked at the mall. And she's just basically like, hey, you know, I'm just out um, reworking the Brittany Marcel, you know, attempted murder. Your name came up and we just want to chat. And Detective Gonterman tells him what Brittany recalls um, from her experience working at the mall kiosk. And she asks Justin for a DNA sample and Justin declines to provide one. And that before he does anything else, he wants to talk to his mommy. What? Is your mommy a lawyer? Because that's what you need. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, um, okay. Eight years later, you're like, you know, seven, eight years later, four kids. you have four kids. You are a grown ass adult. Why do you need to go talk to your mom before you talk to the police any further? Weird. Okay. Super weird. And Detective Gonterman's like, okay, yeah, you know, go ahead and talk to your mom. Here's my card. If anything comes up, between now and when you talk to your mommy, go ahead and and give me a ring and we can chat. But 
But before Detective Gonterman leaves Justin's house that day, she wanted to rattle him a little bit and told him exactly how much Brittany remembered him and his visits to her sunglass kiosk. She tells Justin that Brittany remembers him wearing his tight Abercrombie shirts and pants that hung just low enough that his underwear would show a little bit, that she remembers um, their conversations and just really throws out all of these specific details. Like, hey, you're not just a random guy we're picking on. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So a couple days go by and she calls Justin for a follow-up on the DNA sample. Hey, you talked to your mom and decided that you want to uh, cooperate and give us a a little DNA sample. And Justin is super defensive, says that he felt targeted and he ended the call demanding an apology for them questioning him. Oh shit. That's new. He's like, I feel like you guys were singling me out and I had nothing to do with this and I don't appreciate it, blah, 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 blah. And Detective Gonterman is basically like, okay, yeah, you know, no problem. I'll apologize to you once I get your direct DNA sample and we're able to clear you. Clear you. Yeah. Yeah. So five more months go by of them looking at Justin. They still don't get anything. And Gontraman knew that once again, she needed to get creative. So at this point, we're nine years into the investigation. Justin has been able to keep the police at bay by refusing to do a DNA test. They don't really have anything to like go in with a warrant for it. So he is like really evading police. DA David Waymeyer suggests having Justin followed in the hopes of collecting a DNA sample. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so this can legally be obtained by getting a hold of something that the suspect throws away. Yeah. Um, two months pass by by the time they get the approval to follow Justin. And in that time, Justin had quit his job and moved. Two wow. more months go by. We're now in August of 2017. And... Justin is finally tracked down to his new job at an auto body shop in the northern part of Albuquerque. So he didn't like run to a different state or anything. He just like kind of moved to a different part of town. But nonetheless, you moved. Yep. So they have undercover police officers following him and they end up following Justin to a McDonald's. Ooh. They watched him eat. And then he took the lid off the top of his drink and drank directly from the cup. And then when he went and threw away his trash, he ever so conveniently wrapped everything up in the tray liner that he was eating off of so that it kept everything completely inside and separated from the rest of the trash in the trash can, which is like such a big win. Yeah, that it wasn't just like he tossed it and it could have gotten cross-contaminated with something. Or they stuck their hand in and got the wrong cup or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And the trash can that he threw it in was like so full that everything that he put into it was just like right on top. Oh, wow. So he just like literally left them like a nice little wrapped present for them to just like come and grab. So the detectives collected this and took it straight in for testing. This would be the 18th DNA sample that they'd taken in, and they finally got a match. Wow. 
Alana Williams, who was the lab tech who tested the DNA, was in such disbelief that they had a match that she actually ran everything twice. Oh, shit, yeah, <laughs> she bet. just wanted to be like she's like extra, yeah. I mean, at extra, 18, extra sure. At eighteen, you have to. Oh man, I'm sure your hopes go down. But yeah, you're gonna actually get a match. Totally. Yeah. Most definitely. So Alana Williams, she couldn't wait to deliver the news to the detectives and she wanted to do it in person. This was not a phone wow. call. Like I'm coming down to the station to tell you guys that we finally, finally got something. And when Gonterman and Sergeant Liz, Liz Thompson got the news, they were just beside themselves. I mean, they were so emotionally invested in this crime that it was such a moment for the both of them that Gonterman was just like in tears and again they couldn't wait to tell Brittany's mom that they and Brittany that they finally got a match and so Gonterman calls up Diane tells her the news Diane is just like in disbelief, obviously, you know, holy shit. And they were both informed that Justin Hansen was without a doubt a 100% DNA match Wow, to the sample that they had. So next is finding Justin, right? That's so right. Yeah. Justin was arrested very soon after while oh, he was out shopping. So the next obstacle was the trial, you know, with yeah. Brittany have to take the stand? Would she oh. want to take the stand and relive the whole thing all over again? But she decided, yeah, like if I have to take the stand, I will. I'm ready to face him and to close that chapter of my life. Good for her. Now what the family didn't know yet was that the case might never actually go to trial. Okay. So... They had a mountain of evidence that had been collected from the crime scene, right? They had the shovel. They had that knife. They had Brittany's clothes with her blood all over it. They had a roll of duct tape. So, so many different things. And when Detective Gonterman went to collect all of the evidence to prepare for a trial, it was gone. (gasps) No. Gone. What What the hell? What had happened was that a clerical error was made and all of that evidence had been destroyed. And Gonterman, this is still a little bit confusing for me. And I was trying to peel back and make sense of all of this and why this would even happen. But Detective Gonterman explains that when somebody retires, and I'm guessing maybe somebody who was directly tied to a case. Sure. You get a list of evidence from the cases and they're supposed to go through that list and check either destroy or retain. And the box for this case had been mismarked as dispose. Just a small little mark on a list. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So everything that they had had there was gone. The blood sample, however was kept separate and luckily had not been destroyed because they had it in a separate lab. So even though they had this blood, the prosecution was super stressed that to only be able to present that to a jury, although it is a very, very strong piece of evidence, they were worried that it wouldn't be enough to hold up to convict somebody. Right. 
So while waiting to see if a trial was going to happen, Justin was put on house arrest. And he even did an interview during this time. And he just like presented himself as a victim. He's crying. He's emotional. Interesting. He's complaining about how he's just gotten such a lack of sleep and he's grieving for what Brittany went through and what her family's gone through and blah, 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 blah. Right. And when asked about the drop of blood at the scene, he can't explain it away. Of course not. Of course not. Now, Justin's defense is busy chasing, um, getting the whole case thrown out based off of that statute of limitations for attempted murder because it had pretty much expired at this point. And they believe that the John Doe indictment of the blood sample should be thrown out. Now it was kind of a Hail Mary by the DN by the DA right. to even go that route, but the defense would present this whole thing, the statute of limitations expiring, this whole John Doe sample. They would present this to an appellate court, which is basically a court of appeals mm-hmm. to get the case dismissed. And DA Waymeyer tried to offer a plea deal at this point in the hopes of Justin being taken down for something, but Justin turned it down. He was okay. like, nope. I'm me and my team are really confident that all of this is just going to get thrown out based on all of these technicalities. So Justin and his team, you know, we're very confident that a judge would just dismiss this altogether, but Brittany's family is not putting down or not going down without a fight. And Brittany had already lost so much at this point that they're like, no, like (laughs) we are going to continue to fight for Britney's justice and both families, Justin's family and the Marcells waited weeks to see if this motion would be upheld. And it wasn't the judge denied this appeal to have the John Doe evidence thrown hey. out. And this case would go to trial. Suck like, it. Yeah. <laughs> such a victory. Yeah. Now the DA is preparing to go to trial and he gets an unexpected call from Justin's defense and they want to renegotiate a plea deal. Mm-hmm, I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's just one piece of evidence, but it's a pretty nail in the coffin piece Absolutely. of evidence. Absolutely. When you how, got else, a- how else would your blood have gotten there? Exactly. Explain that. Explain that. On the broken piece of glass from the dining room window, you know. On the day of the attack. Mm -hmm. You're pretty fucked. So fucked. Yeah. The Marcel family gave their blessing to the DA. They wanted Mm -hmm. to spare Brittany testifying at trial. And they're like, yeah, you know, if he wants to discuss a plea deal, that is totally a win in our books. Sure. And Justin pled no contest to attempted murder in the first degree. And he, I mean, really at this point, he was left with the two choices of taking this to trial and facing 50, 60 years or taking the plea deal and get a maximum of 18 years with a chance to be out in nine. Now, so it's like an Alfred plea where he's like, I'm not saying yes or no, but you have a lot of evidence. Yeah, I'm going to plead no contest. And, you know, I think he made the right decision. I would never find myself in this position, right. but you know, as a dad to four, a four. He's, he's sitting there thinking, 
I can still be out in hopefully nine years and be able to be a part of my children's life. Why risk going down for their whole lives, my whole life, right? And only being able to see my kids through plexiglass, you know. So we're in July of 2018 at Justin's sentencing. Wow. And 10 years later. Yeah. A long, long time. Wow. And the DA is fighting for the 18 year maximum and presents um, some other alleged allegations towards Justin that really just kind of helped paint a picture of Justin and his past. Again, these are alleged allegations. Um, Supposedly three other women in the past had accused Justin of assault. And are we surprised? No, that's the thing. It's like, you know, like you said before, he just hadn't gotten caught for it before. Exactly. Yeah. And one of these three women had actually claimed that Justin had sexually assaulted her when she was younger. I want to say she was like 17 at the time, but she never went to authorities about it because she had been drinking the night of her assault and didn't take it to anybody, which just like frustrates me to my core that in whatever which way if this assault had happened that she felt like her experience wouldn't hold up just purely because she had been drinking that night. Right. Yeah. Frustrates me indefinitely. Yeah. That's hard. It's hard. I mean, I think it's changing now, you know, but uh, it's, it's still hard to process that. And you're like, Mm -hmm. no, you kind of want to make sense of it. And, you know, yeah that's hard but like you said I don't think he went straight to attacking Brittany out of nowhere to this extreme he had to have had some past exactly so as alleged as they may be it I think they hold some truth because he you don't you don't just go from zero to that you have to start doing I mean you you have to have done stuff before that Um, something somewhere like yeah key in a girlfriend's car anything or, you know yeah so um Brittany would also speak at his sentencing she talks about all of the surgeries she had faced who she was now what her future could look like or couldn't look like you know she's like I don't know if I'll ever get married or have kids or have the career I wanted or, you know, regain some of my physical things that I've lost, you know, memory, whatever. And Justin spoke at his sentencing, but he mainly just said like, hey, I'm sorry that you and your family went through this. And I'm just going to like say goodbye to my kids for the, for the time being. So he didn't really sit there showing a whole lot of remorse. Remorse, His little speech was basically to his side of the family with just a little sprinkle of, hey, I'm sorry sorry your family's gone through this for the last 10 years. Yeah. 
So when the judge came back with the decision, she sentenced Justin to the maximum full 18 years. And the Marcel family is elated. They just celebrated. But, you know, even within this, they still don't have an explanation of a motive. That's right. No. Why did he do this? You know, but... Brittany has a little bit of a theory, and despite not really having a whole lot of memory of that time, Brittany's theory was that, you know, in their chats at her sunglass kiosk, that maybe Justin asked her out and she turned him down and he didn't handle that very well. You know, he was this young, attractive, um, charming young man working at Hollister, you know, and to get turned down by somebody maybe didn't sit very well with him. He didn't like the rejection. Nope. But nonetheless, with this case wrapping up, Brittany was prepared to undergo her 23rd surgery. And her goal from the surgery was to get her smile back. That's the thing that she wants more in this entire world than anything is just to get her big smile back. Now she had already gone to college to get her degree in communications and she still continues to pursue her aspirations, uh, to be in journalism, to have a career in that. And our most recent update in 2021 on Justin Hansen is that he had come forth and made an appeal for the time served for the 371 days that he was on house arrest while they Mm. were waiting, you know, to take it to the appeals court. He ended up winning that appeal. Ew. I know. Yeah. So, which I don't. Agree with that. I I do agree with people getting time off their sentence for their time served when they're actually in prison waiting for their case to go to trial. But dude, you were on house arrest with right. your you family in jail. No, you weren't. Did you know? I just found out that um, depending on the county or the state and the, the city and whatnot. The person that has the ankle monitor has to pay for it. Oh, I think I've for I the think service I've heard of that too for mm-hmm. the service of it, like the GPS monitoring and all that. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, it depends where the, whether it's like a daily, or monthly, or or weekly fee, but they have mm-hmm. to make payments on it, which I it just blew my mind, and 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 it's a good thing because I'm like, yeah, you are asking for the freedom of not being in jail right um but yeah you're right he spent it in the commodity of his home Mm -hmm. he wasn't in jail suffering or you know not getting fed well or away from his family and his kids exactly Mm. and I do think that you are right on that and I don't know this for a fact but I think that Washington might be one of those states because I do know somebody who was on house arrest for a little while. And I think that he did have to pay for that monitor, but with that gave him the freedom of still being able to be at home, to be around Mm -hmm. his kids and all of that stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, when you get a DUI and you have to pay for the blow and go in your car, like, Hey, we're not going to take your license away, but you need to pay for this technology. If you still want to be able to drive. Right. 
you know. I think that's fair. So, yeah, I I think it's more than fair. I mean, shit, at least you're with your loved one sitting on your couch in front of your TV eating whatever you want to. Right. And, um, but I think it's bullshit that he got a little over a year shaved off of his sentence for being able to sit there. God. But nonetheless, just an incredible survival story for this young woman. Um, I know that she's going to continue to achieve great things in um. Her life, I mean, she's got the drive and now she can at least be at peace to have this chapter closed of knowing that they finally found who had done it to her, although they may not ever truly know a motive behind it. um, She did get her justice, which is more than unfortunately a lot of people. Right. (laughs) Not only is she alive, but she's getting better. She got better. Mm -hmm. And they found out who it was and they put him behind bars, which is better than not knowing Mm -hmm. who at all would have done this. Um, Yeah. 18 years is not the best, but it's better than nothing. And it's just wild to think that had she not survived and who knows if the the hypnosis made any difference in Justin's name popping back up in her head. Had she not survived, they probably would have never found him. Right. He he seems to have the case been would so have gone cold with the other yeah. detective. There would have been who knows how. Yeah, things happen for a reason. She stayed and, alive, and and they, there was such a degree of separation to him from her like social right. life. Right. That his name probably would have never come up. Right. And with him moving, they would have never, that would have been so, so, so hard. Yeah. That's interesting. Exactly. Really happy for her in that way. Yeah. Oh, me too. Such a, such a sigh of relief. These survivor stories are always badass. I mean. They are. It's, I mean, if you survive such a brutal attack and then you're thriving afterwards, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's even more salt to their wound. Like. Not only we're gonna catch you, yeah, we're gonna go behind bars, but I'm gonna thrive and I'm gonna live the my life to the, you know, best way that I can. Totally, yeah, that's good for I, her. I think like probably the most badass survival story that um, I've heard on this podcast specifically is the nurse from Portland, Mary Mackenzie, covered. Yeah, yeah. That chased the dude out with a freaking knife. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy that that's like a a hometown story of ours. Me too. (laughs) I mean, and it's like, it it is like landmarked in my brain, Mm -hmm. that story. If I don't know what, what episode it, what's the full lady's name? Oh gosh. I know it's Mary. I don't remember her last name. If you guys have not listened to this episode, please go like, way back deep into the episodes and go listen to the survival story because it is incredible and such a uh, woman empowering story as well and really makes me want to uh, take self-defense classes because this woman was just such a badass. 
She is really um, incredible for doing what she did. Um, is it Mary or is it Sandy? I don't know why Sandy is like popping up in my brain for some reason. Mary Vincent. Mary Vincent. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys, if you have not listened to that episode, it is a good one. It is a really great episode. Uh, let me go in here. Um, she's an artist too. So it's uh, episode number 27. Oh, wow. That is way back, way back, way, way back. <laughs> so, um, oh my gosh, the, the description of it says, um, it's, oh my God, this is March 13th, 2020. So this is like wow. one week coronavirus old. Yeah. We were in the slow, the spread. Yep. We were sure where we were like defeat the curve or whatever. Or flatten yeah. The curve. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Mary Vincent, um, she is a, a, a fucking badass and yeah. Brittany too for surviving and not only surviving. And of course, you know, due to her medical team as well, but to be told, Hey, we don't know if you're going to be like in this vegetable state for the rest of your life. Right. And for her to be like, fuck you watch this yeah exactly. respectfully doctor fuck you <laughs> right <laughs> thanks for saving my life but um watch me go graduate college yeah. and nail the guy that tried to kill me absolutely so well that's a great story so i appreciate that that's great absolutely Brittany. it's always nice when you get a big victory at the end it of really one is. of these so end yep. it on a high note yep um well thank you yeah. i appreciate that um if you're watching this hopefully it um it made it onto video and you have some pictures to watch along while you're watching this on patreon um but uh, yeah happy new year be a badass like Brittany and mary and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah keep fighting holy Most moly definitely All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, We'll kind of see how the next couple of weeks play out. It's still kind of holiday celebrating for us. Uh, I have my son's first birthday coming up in the weeks following this episode, but we should still be able to get um, some good content and episodes out to you guys. But until then, don't be a stranger and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, bye. Bye.